Check it out while I'm the master of balance With multiple talents I provide the landscape, baby You provide the challenge I've been broken down and out And look at the sound that I'm drowning out I'm around the town and I'm round about And it's better than a kick in your freaking mouth These words might scare you Make you tremble and double dare you Now we're always learning Always listening and very burning And not checking the resume Two thumbs down is what they say Get up to your dizzy, stay awake and thin like Lizzie Touch your trembling chest, to look at what a walrus digest Last Halloween, gave you my heart, very next day you gave it away Made you disappear, downtown yell, uptown rebel One love, one city, one now, got some raps and seas never heard Oh baby, I like it more, sometimes run like a future shock Look at my radio, rock the block, bows and dinners and a tall can Sponsored by every brand, turn the radio up. Uptown, try to get down, 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 Hey, party people, you are back inside the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting live from the University of California campus in Irvine. We're streaming on the web at KUCI.org. We are podcasting every sexy minute of this show. You can check us out at KUCI.org slash talk. Scroll down to uh, podcasts. Click on those. We are under the chat room. We've been on, you know, we've almost been on an entire year. Can you believe it, Dana? A year the show has, but the not show you has, and I. But not you and I. We are only like we're newlyweds. Yes, it's true. It's still <laughs> we're good. <laughs> we're still in our honeymoon period, baby. <laughs> and we have a guest, as we tend to do every week. We do. I'm so excited to welcome my friend. We've been friends for years and years, or at least a couple of years. A few years. Years, yeah, a few years. Yeah. Uh, my great friend Teresa, Teresa Schley. <laughs> I knew I was going to do this. Schley, <laughs> Valenzuela. 
Good job. <laughs> You've had more practice at that. Than yes, I have. <laughs> yes. She is a spectacular expert on the feminine divine and author of the novel and screenplay Penelope and the Divine. She's also founder and headmistress of the Divine Sexy School, which I can't wait to hear about, a place where women go to get their sexy back on track. <laughs> Teresa, hey. Hey. How Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. I always My love pleasure. having friends in the chat room. This is huge fun. <laughs> All right. So tell us, uh, I, I want to start with the Divine Sexy School okay. and uh, hear about that because that's a new project that I don't know too much about yet. Yes. The Divine Sexy School, as I said, is a place where women go to get their sexy back on track. It's the cure for if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> Ain't that true? Oh, yeah. So basically what I did is I combined my 25 years of experience uh, studying personal growth and human potential and studying ancient cultures and ancient philosophy and studying the feminine divine. And I, um, I always had a dream of having a institute of higher learning. And just the way the things manifested and the planets lined up and technology, and I said, hey, you know what, I can do it now. So I'm doing it as an online school. And... Um, got video products. Everything's on video right now, but eventually I'll be doing um, seminars and webinars and teleseminars and all that. So give us a preview. What happens? What happens at the school? Yeah. Well, well before what we go we too far, can, oh, yeah, we go uh, can we define the feminine divine for those that ah, there you go. are not? Yes. The feminine divine is basically it's the archetypical uh, feminine energy. So let me, let me not get too abstract here, but people talk about God and we really don't talk about... Um, uh, the different aspects of the God or the divine or whether you believe in it or not. It's basically um, the feminine aspects as opposed to the masculine aspects. So in a way, you can't really define the feminine divine without defining the masculine divine. So if you think of the, the yin-yang symbol, which most people are familiar with, it's really what is feminine as opposed to what is masculine. Um, feminine is uh, magnetic and um, sensual and, uh, you know, the darkness, masculine would be driving, conquering, and the light. That's just one way to, to mm. describe it. I like that we're dark. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm all about the dark. <laughs> so when you say reconquering the feminine, the, no, not, is, did you say reconquering? No, I re said masculine, uh, masculine divine is conquering. And what is it in your school that you do? It's recapturing the feminine. Well, divine, what right? it is, is, see, we're, we're so caught up as, the modern Western woman is raised to be a man, number one. So that's, the, that's the, one of the main things that I uh, discuss in the Divine Sexy School, which is polarity principles. So helping understand women, uh, the modern woman, understand what it really means to be feminine and how that can serve your health and your life and how that feeds into you living a juicy and passionate life and when you live from a when you make pleasure your number one priority you can uh, really uh, reclaim or understand what your divine purpose is and really that's what we're what we're all here for so very fun very fun so, so yeah, what was ahead. your earlier question that I interrupted you? Yeah, so I'm just curious about some of the, what, what you're going to be teaching these women. Well, a lot of it is polarity principles. Like I said, you asked me how to, how would I define the feminine divine, and I kind of can't define it unless I define the masculine divine. So w when I say the modern Western woman is raised to be a man, part of that is from the, uh, the part of that comes from women's love. Of course, we're all very grateful to our feminine foremothers, but what's happened from the second wave of feminism, which is women's lib, is that we're trying to be men. And what's happened is that uh, that's actually affected the health of women. So living in your masculine body with masculine traits is actually detrimental to your health. I discovered that the hard way. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of what I address in the school. And it's fun. The Divine Sexy School is, is a different way of looking at femininity and divinity. It's like a big slumber party where you invite all your girlfriends and you talk about life and love and the future and you take 
what you learned from that party uh, throughout your whole life. So give me, a, give me some examples of how living like a man has impacted our health. Well, okay, um, I'm going to try not to get too technical, but <clears throat> what's happening with a lot of women today, especially women starting in their mid-30s, is they're having endocrine system issues. Uh, the endocrine system is the sort of symphony responsible for uh, the, actually the endocrine system is the, is the system responsible for the symphony of hormones. So all the hormones that, uh, basically every body process is driven by hormones, and um, the, uh, what happens, you know, women have so many different hormones that they deal with it very different than men. And what happens when women live in a, a masculine way is they're dealing with a lot of adrenaline. And over time, what that does is that overtaxes the adrenals and it affects the thyroid. So the symptoms of that are insomnia, hair loss, depression. Mm. You know, we're uh, prescribing antidepressants like it's candy and, and the reason why that happens is because people have free-floating anxiety and depression no one knows how to address it well a lot of it when it comes to women is because they're not living in the, through their femininity or living in a masculine way and over a period of time uh, that's very detrimental to your health so the clients that I have the biggest uh, challenges with are women who came up from the women's live movement because they have a very negative viewpoint of femininity so they don't want to be more feminine so I have to really coach them carefully through that to you know, re-evaluate what femininity actually means. Very interesting. And yeah. Teresa, you had mentioned that this is based on life experience. This isn't oh, something yeah. you just read and No, I didn't just make it up. I lived it so, every crazy day. <laughs> and I know Marie loves life stories. It'd be interesting to see the journey of, I guess, when the second wave, second wave feminism kind of appeared on your radar mm -hmm. to where you had the breakdown i'm guessing right. like some kind of breakdown mm -hmm. to the rejuvenation to where you are now right well that's it pull that's that story out of her marie okay. i think you just did <laughs> well i'll tell you i'll try and give you the reader's digest version but basically i mean i was born a long time ago and um you know uh I was raised basically that I don't need a man and I can do anything myself and anything a man can do, I can do better. And that's just how I was raised. It never occurred to me to me any other way. And I didn't really know anything about men. Uh, and I was raised Catholic and very repressed uh, home. So, you know, sexuality was bad. I was raised that my body was a vehicle for sin, rape, and shame. And that's just what it was. And, um, yeah, so those are verbal and nonverbal messages that I got from, from home and from church. And so, you know, you can imagine what kind of lovely relationships I had growing up, <laughs> coming up. And so eventually I met a really nice guy and um, got married. And uh, I'd started my uh, studies of personal growth when I was about 23. So, and what happened was, um, I, you know, I'm a really creative person. And in my mid-30s, I was so frustrated with my, what I considered my inability to really uh, express myself creatively that I literally begged God or whoever to take away my, my sex drive because I'm a sexual person and I couldn't, wow. had trouble with my relationships and nothing was working and I couldn't express my creativity. I didn't understand at the time that they're both related. Uh, so I just literally like wailed out to God, please take my sex drive away. And well, I got my wish. And at the time I didn't know that it was, um, all, it caused almost irreversible damage to my health. So fast forward 10 years, uh, and I'm married, and uh, first time I... So what does that look like? So you're a really sexual person, mm -hmm. and then suddenly you just... I just don't give up. No, but I mean, suddenly you just lost interest yeah. in sex? Yeah, I just was like, eh, you know, Was this post-kid, or... No, no, this? no, this was before I got married. So I was just oh, tired okay. of, you know, crying over one more boyfriend that, you know, oh, didn't gotcha. understand me, or whatever it was, you know? So I was like, really lackadaisical. I really didn't care anymore at that point. Do you think you shut yourself down? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. We, we, we create... The body is a metaphor for the mind. 
Mm-hmm. So we create our body based on what's going on in our mind. That's another thing I teach in the school. So, so this was kind of imposed. You imposed this on yes. yourself. Mm-hmm. And it, did it take some willpower or was it pretty? Well, no, I was, I'm, t- I'm talking like, I was like wailing. It was like t- too many days of crying and being depressed. And I was like, done, I'm done. I've tried oh. to date for so many years. And see, mm-hmm. right around this time, now this is my mid-30s, right around this time, women have a shift. And what I noticed is a lot of women were becoming bitter because they were having that biological clock thing. And I didn't really have that. I was like, I don't want to be like that girl. I just mm-hmm. don't want it to anything to do with it. I don't want to be bitter. You know, men are okay. And so, you know, I sort of asked for this thing to happen, and it did. And uh, so then, you know, a few years later, I got married. And what happened was, uh, the first time I got pregnant, my my baby died. And that was a traumatic experience, as you can imagine. And so, but what happened after that is I got hit with, like, one sort of tragedy after another. And I went into severe adrenal fatigue. And basically... um, People who have severe adrenal fatigue, they can be like suddenly catatonic or their hair will go white or whatever. That didn't happen to me. Um, but all those symptoms I described that women are going through, that's what happened. So I had severe debilitating insomnia and all my hormones were just whacked, like just like neurotransmitters and hormones, which are all, again, work together, just totally wiggity whacked. And I went to 12 different doctors and practitioners and Eastern, Western allopathic, homeopathic, you name it. I tried it. I took mountains of supplements, pharmaceutical drugs, nothing worked. Nothing worked. And I literally lost my will to live. And uh, you would think having a child, because I I finally, I did have a second child, um, but uh, you would think that that would make you want to live. And and it really didn't. I just, I felt like he would be better off without me. And so I lost my will to live. And uh, so one day I said, well, this is kind of funny. Like, I kept thinking of, trying to think of ways to kill myself, but I was so exhausted because I couldn't sleep that I was too mm-hmm. exhausted to, to do it. So, like, well. I've heard that's common. That, that people people commit suicide when they're on the way up, out of depression. Because yeah. when you're really depressed, you don't have the energy to no. do it. So it takes like, some energy to do that. Yeah. So you it's might. like, nice idea, but, oh, God, if I could just get some sleep, then I'd kill myself. <laughs> hilarious when you think about it oh i can laugh about it now but it was not pretty so i was literally a zombie i mean i did a zombie uh so i decided i either have to yeah i i what am i going to do i'm gonna live or die and i don't know what it was really that made me decide to live but i said okay if i'm gonna live then i'm gonna have the most spectacular life i could ever imagine and i started hearing these little voices in my head from all the study that i've done that happiness or pleasure can can change your life so i decided to uh, commit my life to pleasure, my number one priority. And I figured uh, it, it couldn't hurt if I bathed my little cells in happiness. And I, it certainly would be cheaper than the tens of thousand dollars we were spending at that point trying to fix Teresa. Mm. And what happened was a few months after that, I started pole dancing. And the reason for that is the main character in my novel, Penelope and the Divine, is a pole dancer. And that's actually about this time is when I met Marie because I was in a writer's group. And I said, you know, I really don't know what a pole dancer what what does it feel like to be a pole dancer i'm writing fiction i'm supposed to be using the senses and i said well i heard about this pole dancing class let me let me take this it was at s factor which is a little bit different kind of pole studio and so what happened this is about mm, two months into my uh pleasure experiment and what happened was within a matter of days i felt better within a matter of weeks i felt exponentially better and within a matter of months my entire life had changed from delving into sensuality pleasure and pole dancing Pole dancing really took off there for a while. Oh, it's still. It's still taking off. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like it became the new Pilates or something. It is. Well, I, you know, I was editor-in-chief of Vertical Art and Fitness, which is a pole dancing lifestyle magazine I was, uh, for a little while. And I, at that time, I had, I, I had no idea how big the pole movement is, but it's global. Mm-hmm. Blew me away. 
It vertical takes such arts. vertical <laughs> art and fitness. <laughs> yeah. Vertical arts. That's a great. Yeah. It takes massive amounts. Of oh, strength. you have no idea. Look at these biceps. I know. It's unbelievable. Amazing. <laughs> a friend of mine did it, and she'd just come home bruised, and you know, oh, yeah. she just looks like she'd... <laughs> Oh, yeah, we talk about, we look like yeah. domestic abuse victims, kind of. Right. It's like all in, inner thighs and inner, inner thighs, arms. And, right. But it's, it really, it's transformational, so. Amazing, amazing. And so from that, then the school was born. Yeah, from that, I finally published the novel, and I wrote the screenplay, so waiting for the, the world needs a pole movie, movie so that's uh, hopefully next on the plan. But, but, but the school, I mean, I always had the dream to have an institute of higher learning, as I said, using all my background in you know, ancient history, metaphysics, spirituality, all that, and, you know, uh, learning about human potential. And so everything just sort of came together. And, and because I know, because I've met scores of women who have a similar story to mine, who, for different reasons, their, their hormones are whacked and they're, you know, they're losing their hair, they're, um, they've lost their sex drive, they, they're just going through the motions in life, and we're not supposed to be living like this. I have to say, we got into a debate uh, a couple of shows ago, well, I got into a debate with, with um, one of our guests about male versus female sex drive. And the, the, you know, stereotype is that men want it. They want it all the time. They're insatiable. And that women just put up with them. And, you know, they always have, the women have the headaches and the women are bored. And the women just wish they would get off of them so they could get on to doing their laundry. <laughs> and, I, and I told him, I just think, I, uh, yeah, I agree that there are, there are those stereotypes, and I agree somebody must be promulgating those stereotypes, but that's not how all women are, or it shouldn't be how all women are. No, it shouldn't be how all women are. It is how a lot of women are, and, and the Divine Sexy School is a cure for that, because I tell you what, the problem that, that women have, and I'm not saying it's women's fault, is that we don't even know how to pleasure ourselves. We don't even know what sensuality is ourselves. So to, to go to a man and say, you better pleasure me and do it right, otherwise I'm bored, you know, it's not really right. We need to learn how to live our pleasured and juicy and passionate life and magnetize the type of sex life to us that we want. And that's a whole different way to look at things. Are you saying that men kind of have a very focused sexuality that they explore at a very young age and they know exactly what gets them hot and girls are a little less aware no, of... No, I don't think that at all. I think men are given permission to be sexual and women are not. Yeah. Right, that yeah. Is, yeah that but is, I mean, that in your true. bedroom you could get away with it, but it seems like but but when who gave you permission to that to do that? Well, actually, I never had permission. Uh, right. I just did it. Right. <laughs> and but I think you know uh, it's a little bit harder for women. I think to just say, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to express my sensuality. I'm going to be my uh, uh, you know this erotic creature and and the shift and change. And you know we we're so capable of that. I mean the the feminine sex drive is amazing and just passionate and and it's deep and profound and it's just different than men men i mean look at what men will do for some feminine energy look at a president <laughs> recent president what did he do just to get some feminine energy that he couldn't find somewhere else I, and i you know i love all the presidents <laughs> but you know men will men men want feminine energy so badly and and there's nothing wrong with it it's just a natural exchange so uh, it's about exchanging energy that works for both people. So I think men are given permission to be sexual much more than women are. So where do you start with these women? Do you tell them, you know, 
masturbate seven times a week? Uh, yeah, actually I do, but I don't use that word. That I hate that word. So what I say is pleasure yourself as much as possible. Freaking orgasm went a long way to heal me, so I'm going to keep talking about it. Uh, but that's not the only thing I talk about. So in the Divine Sexy School, I have Divine Sexy 101, which is the core curriculum. It's six weeks of video, broken down into little steps, because I want women to be able to just like pop it on their eye phone while they're getting their nails done or whatever. I mean, you know, it's hard for women to find time for themselves. I'm, it's, in, it's in snippets, manageable snippets. And I really start from the beginning. What is femininity? If you had asked me that a few years ago, I didn't have a freaking clue. I, I had no idea what it was. No idea what femininity was. I didn't know what the feminine divine was. I, I, so I really break it down step by step. What is femininity? What is the feminine divine? What is your body? Because our body, our physical form, I mean, what we think of as the body is so much more vast and cosmic than we realize. We're just looking at this physical form, but we're influenced by so many other factors that are outside of, of the physical. And so I talk a lot about that because that's very important. Once you understand what you really are, like I call the human energy system, I don't call the physical body. Once you understand what that is, you understand that you have total access to vibrancy, passion, health, whatever you want, your, your divine purpose. You are tuned into the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are on with Teresa Schley, Venezuela. Valenzuela. Venezuela. <laughs> I can't do it. As soon as I know I have to pronounce a name that's not like rock or something, mm. I just freak out. That's right. She called me Todd earlier. I do. I, I, I t- I t- it's amazing. I know my own name. Half the time I mispronounce it. In any event, um, and we're talking about the feminine divine. We're talking about the divine sexy school. We're talking about women getting back in touch with their own sexuality. Um, it's funny to me in Orange County how many women are, you know, surgically enhanced in various ways. They're so obsessed about their appearance, about staying young looking, about modifying their bodies. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how out of touch that makes women feel with themselves when, they're, when they can never kind of be satisfied with who they are. And do you think that kind of distances them further from getting in touch with their sexuality, the more they try and sex themselves up? I absolutely agree with you, Marie. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, and that's another thing that I discuss in the Divine Sexy School because we're really... When we do that as women, and believe me, let me just say first, I have no problem with plastic surgery. I figure if I can make it to 50 without it, great. If not, you know, I have no problem whatsoever. But the, the issue happens when, you know, we're really crying out for something deeper and more profound. And, uh, you know, Botox is not the answer. And uh, Sheila Kelly, who is the founder of uh, the S-Factor School of, uh, of uh, Erotic Feminine Movement, where I got my start, she talks a lot about how women uh, kind of wear their sexuality's armor. That's one way women do it. And this is what we're talking mm. about with the, with the enhancements and all that. And sort of like you're slapping the femininity on top of yourself but you're not addressing what's going on on the inside. So it's kind of like, like, you know, I tried the, uh, when things were really bad, I tried slapping on a pair of black lace panties, and I felt like a fat hermaphrodite with black panties on. <laughs> I was like, it, I wasn't feeling sexual at all. You know, it wasn't working. And what happens um, with when women kind of go down that path is they're really missing the point and then they get the work done and they're still not liking what they see and so they get more work done and it's not the answer and so what you really have are like I said before the modern western woman is raised to be a man so you're just a masculine man slapping some femininity on top of you that's not the answer right yeah oh Dana well I guess I'm curious when you say the one thing that you said that stuck with me was that men are did you, is it permission that you said men are given permission mm-hmm. to be more sexual? Mm-hmm. And I guess 
I don't feel like anyone's really given that much mm -hmm. um, permission. It's a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like full cultural right. um, support of this. I mean, half of the country seems to be very um, Puritan. Mm -hmm. So I guess I wonder, what do we do to... There, it seems like there's two things that has to happen. One, you kind of... Um, you educate mm -hmm. like the woman that's already raised mm -hmm. but then what do we do to make it so we don't have this problem going forward it's a very good question i mm -hmm. appreciate you asking that because i thought i thought about this a lot and i studied and studied and said and i thought where, where did it start and there's a couple of issues that play into that number one what happens when when a man and a woman have sex is uh the woman okay we're generalizing here but in most cases how the body works is the woman becomes chemically bonded to the man Okay, that's through all the complex interplay of chemicals and oxytocin and all that stuff. So now you have a woman who's chemically bonded to a man. Well, the man does not become chemically bonded to a woman until he falls in love with her. Then, th then the, there's when that bonding comes happens on the other side. And so what happened, if you go back far enough, like I said, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I study ancient uh, cultures and history a lot. And so when you go back far enough, and what you have is some on some level there are ancient cultures understood this without knowing what oxytocin is and what this is and what that is so what they knew is when you have a young girl who you know accidentally oops has sex with someone she's now bonded to that guy and he's off in the war or he's off you know fighting the romans or whatever and now you have this girl who's upset and doing crazy things so that's why people started locking up their virgins and this mm -hmm. is why you know you get it's, it gets extrapolated down one path where you know, let's hide our virgins because there's something wrong with them, okay? We don't say to, to girls, you are such a beautiful, amazing feminine force. You have so many gifts to offer. You are a flower. You are the radiant light of the family. And this something happens if you when you sleep with a man. So you need to be prepared and educated on what you are so that you approach that from a place of knowledge and power. When you, and I mean when you approach sexuality and sex act from a place of knowledge and power and so you choose your you be selectivities important thing so you extrapolate that out now what we're telling saying is we're locking up our virgins but we're not telling them why we're telling them there's something wrong with them and this happens over and over generation after generation now we've got culture that's that's telling us a certain thing we've got religion that's telling us the same thing and we just raise our kids that way and we don't even know why we're doing it and a lot of this is subliminal nonverbal messages that that we're getting so how do you stop it you raise your daughter and you teach her what she really is she's a radiating light of the family of the tribe of the world and that's her gift and she has power behind that she has intuition and magnetism and wisdom and all that comes with being a woman these are innate feminine qualities Oh, very interesting. Do we have any uh, experience with people being very open with their daughters and what are the... Con I guess I can see what people are afraid of. Yeah. Men are afraid of the power of women, mm -hmm. especially because you get it sometimes when you're 12. Sometimes when you're 12, you're a woman and sometimes yeah. 14. And mm -hmm. that's a lot of... You, you're really not that worldly and it's like, boom, you have, you can do a lot. You really right. can do a lot of damage. Right. Or you could do a lot of good. But right. either way, it's power. Mm -hmm. So I guess I can see like the patriarchy or the, um, I don't know, p people that aren't on your side mm -hmm. thinking, well, I don't want to give more power to her. Kim right. Kardashian gives yes. her enough on the TV. <laughs> I guess I'm wondering, <laughs> is there anyone out there willing to do this? I'd like to think of? so. I mean, if I had a daughter, I would certainly raise her that way. And, and actually... Um, you know, there are uh, people, Sheila Kelly talks a lot about this in, in her work and how she's raising her daughter. And that's one of the things that, that's one of the reasons I started the Divine Sexy School, because I want women to understand this. And they can pass it along to their, to their daughters, you know. And, um, 
and also understanding what the masculine divine is. And see, the other thing too, and going back to your question, there's a lot of women out there who just get it. Like, I didn't have a clue what femininity or sexuality was or sensuality. I didn't even know how to work it. You know, some women just know. They know how to work it. And But what I notice more often than not with a lot of those women, again, I'm generalizing, is they know how to work it and they use their sexuality as a tool to manipulate others, especially men. So... The, the, what I talk about in the Divine Sexy School is melding those two aspects of femininity. So the Madonna versus the harlot and the altruistic nun versus the sex kitten. All women have both of those aspects. So let's combine them all into the same woman and, and uh, unite her so that she understands what a powerful force of nature she already is. And then you have compassion for all people, all men. You treat, you honor and celebrate men so that they can cherish you. There's nothing wrong with that, even in the workplace, anywhere you go. That's how we change things. It's amazing how many women are threatened by essential women. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're the, our own worst enemies. Definitely. Oh, uh, let's look at the burqa. Right. Right. Are you coming out of the womb saying, oh, give me that burqa? Right. But let, let's not, I don't want to get too political here, so I'll stop. <laughs> Somebody said, I would just love a burqa because I need a day off. I just don't want to deal with it today, so I'm just wow. going to throw on my burqa and, <laughs> I love it. and save my money on lipstick or something. Yes. There is that, that um, there's a great commercial, I can't even remember what the ad is for, but it's this incredibly sexual, sensual woman who's getting dressed up in her La Perla lingerie mm-hmm. and she's putting on her makeup and it's the long process in front of the boudoir and then she throws the burqa on over the top of it. <sighs> And I have to tell you, I was in um, Paris a couple of years ago, which has a high Muslim population. Actually, Fashion Island now has a high Muslim population. It's mm. great. But um, anyway, the women were shopping for the sluttiest lingerie. Wow. <laughs> awesome. I love so I it. I assume that the, the, the thinking is, you know, these are for your eyes only, mm-hmm. but nobody else can look at me, mm-hmm. you know, but when it is just the two of us. Right. I, I, I love it. All the way. Yeah. Whatever yeah. works. I mean, I'm not here to tell anyone how to express their sensuality or sexuality by any means. So whatever yeah. works. Yeah. Right. Right. But you're right. Women are their own worst. Mm-hmm. Each other's worst. Yes. They really are. It's such a threat to women. You know, I think we're so insecure and we can only see what we're lacking when we look at another woman. You know, I look mm-hmm, at you mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'd love to have what, all kinds of things. <laughs> Well, thank you, Marie. So I'm wondering if that's the, you know, that we're competitive or we're insecure or we're... Well, a lot of that, and and one of the other really interesting things about women is we are biologically geared toward beauty. Now, if you look, take a look at a bachelor's pad before he has a girlfriend, it's usually pretty bleak, you know, but when when a woman comes along, things change, but we really are biologically driven toward beauty and the beauty industry knows that. That's why it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So we're always striving for beauty and going back to what you said earlier about the whole Orange County, like, you know, implant thing, that's, that's a focus on external beauty and, uh, being the altruistic nun is is a, too much of a focus on internal beauty. So those are the, the, the two extremes. But I think a lot of it is women don't give themselves permission to be beautiful or love their beauty or appreciate beauty in other women. And that's a lot where the where the competitiveness comes from. You know, we're, we don't give ourselves enough pleasure. When you learn to truly love yourself, and that's, that's one of the things I teach at this school too, when you learn to have what I call a torrid love affair with yourself, you start to love all women mm. because you see the beauty in all women. And that's one of the cool things about pole dancing is we really appreciate the feminine form because every woman moves differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you say pleasure, I have a feeling some people in their head are thinking carnal pleasure. Yes. But I have a feeling that what you really mean is kind of allowing yourself to... Um, 
follow your interests and do Absolutely. what feels right to you. Yes. Express all the emotions and not just the ones that m- women are supposed to. Right, exactly. So I wrote a, a manifesto. It's called A Pleasure Manifesto. You can download it from my website. Um, what is your website? My website is divinesexyschool.com. So it's about to launch. So you will be able to download it from my website. You can actually download it from my old website, which is <laughs> in the divine.com. It's there. Um, but so... What I when I say pleasure, and it's funny because people do think I'm talking about sexual pleasure, which I am, but that's not all I'm talking about. So there's three ways to do it. Number one is you. What you do is you make a list of all the things you have to do during the day, and then also write down pleasurable activities, which could be anything. And you always do those pleasurable activities first, which will mm. really mess with your mind. But you do it first. The second thing that you do is in the, throughout the day, just ask yourself what would bring me the most pleasure right now. Maybe that's you know, I used to work in this corporate office where around four in the afternoon, the bunnies would come out. And I mean, I used to love to go watch the bunnies, mm-hmm. but I never felt like I had permission to watch the bunnies because I was a corporate pod. Are you being literal? Like actual bunnies? I mean, came? actual bunnies, <laughs> like little bunnies. And then there's big bunnies and little baby bunnies. And it was just so cool. So if that brings you pleasure, what's going to bring me the most pleasure right now? Whatever that is, do it. And the third thing you can do is when you're faced with a yucky task, I call this the yucky task thing. Like, oh, God, I don't want to do that. Oh, my God. Well, what's the most pleasurable way I could do it? Maybe I'll put some music on or maybe I'll do it naked or maybe I'll eat M&Ms while I'm doing it or maybe I'll call a friend to ask me to help. And when you take these little building blocks of pleasure and add them to your life, you become a pleasured person. And if Mm. pleasuring yourself sexually is part of that, which I highly recommend, great. If I have this theory, tell me if, if, tell me if you agree with me, mm-hmm. that people who are really highly sexual, mm-hmm. sexualized, in, are also people who are foodies. <laughs> That's so interesting. Well, I certainly am, so it's true for me. <laughs> because my theory here is that if you're willing to eat anything, uh-huh. and if you enjoy the texture, taste experience of food and wine or whatever your mm-hmm. drink of choice is. Sens- sensual pleasure. Sensual pleasure mm-hmm. is sensual pleasure. Yes. However you experience Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, I worked and I had a, my degrees in creative writing, poetry, and classical voice, so that got me some great, 10 great years waiting tables. <laughs> <laughs> and so I worked in a lot of fine dining restaurants in San Francisco, and I used to look at the cooks and I'd go, God, you, you must be like, how could you not be good in bed? And of course, we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm really good in bed, you know. But I mean, when you see them work with food, it's like, God, he's got to be good in bed, you know. And I never tried anybody out because, like I said, I was really repressed. I didn't do that. But anyway, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Marie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like, yeah. Or people who are really into cars or really into, you know, well, whatever. Well, it's passion. It's passion. It's passion. It's passion. That's what I'm saying. Live a passionate life. Live a pleasured life. And so many things open up for you. Yeah. So what's up with... Um, the number of people who have affairs and the um, drastic amount of adultery. Because what I'm thinking is that, you know, we can all shame people, mm-hmm. but it's just going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there, the one man to one woman thing is a workable, you know, through all of your study throughout time ad nauseum, is that a workable, is that how individuals are biologically and psychologically set up? God, Marie, you know, <clears throat> all this study that I did, I, you have no idea how many, ask my, ask, how many times I asked myself, I have no idea how did the human race survive? <laughs> because when you look at, when you look at it from, the, from a microcellular level, it's like, I don't know how we do it because it doesn't make sense. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of, and, and I've also studied animals and, and a lot of animals do mate for life. So it mm-hmm. is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think it depends on if you're the kind of person who, that where that's a priority. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your number one thing. Now, secondly, men are visual. Can't deny it. 
you ask any man, he's going to tell you he's visual. And men like to look. And they want to look at something different. They just do. So part of it is women get really upset when men look and and that could and so here's what i see a lot of men do they they i walk by and i I don't mean just me like any woman you see them sort of furtively like catching a glance at a woman like they're not allowed and so when men and men and women when we suppress our sexuality so much then we think that the, the person that's laying there next to us is boring dull you know we're blaming them and then we go looking for something else so that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, number one, are you really a monogamous person? Do you want to be monogamous? And secondly is the things that we do to ourselves and each other causes us to lose interest in the other person. And also, I mean, you really do need to um, take care of yourself. Right. And you take care of your health, take care of how you look. And that's sort of a simple answer to a complex question. But I do think, yes, I do think it's possible. And a lot of what happens, now here's something that I really teach a lot, and this is a hard one for women to get. Uh, women talk a lot of trash about men. Mm-hmm. They are constant men bashing going on. And then they'll say, but I love men. Well, if you love them so much, here's what I say. Men, what women say is men are dogs. And what I say is men are men and dogs are dogs. And here's how you know. Dogs like to eat poop. <laughs> Fair enough. If you have a question, that's how you know. So if you, if you um, think men are dogs and you still want to have a love affair with a dog, then I suggest you get a veterinary license. <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when we learn to honor and celebrate men and stop thinking how bad they are, then they're going to cherish us and vice versa. You know, women, men can change the way they think of women and that'll make a change. So when, you're, so when you're married and you see your woman as an expression of the feminine divine, it's much easier to stay with her long term than, you know, something happens in relationships and we get bored and tired and so it's a complicated issue, but there's a lot of ways to, um, to you know, cut it off at the past, and that's a lot of what I talk about in the Divine Sexy School. Actually, what you say is, is um, resonating, because if men are so visual, and they're going to look at other women, and then that's what irritates your, wom- your, your woman mm-hmm. when you're looking at other women, mm-hmm. then she gets competitive, and she's like, what does that woman have that I don't have? And yeah. It just feeds that cycle of women putting each other down yes. and women being competitive with each other. Right. I don't know what the equivalent of that is for women. Well, here's the difference. When a, when a man looks at, um, I don't know if you saw the movie Up, but there's this great little thing that happens in Up where there's all these dogs and, and w- they're t- having a conversation and, and then a squirrel goes by and they go, squirrel! And they like lose their attention. That's what it is for men. They're sitting at a cafe with you and they love you and they're looking at you and a pretty woman walks by and they, they're literally, all their attention is focused on the other woman, but only for seven seconds. And then the hormones come back and they're focused on you again. They may see something else for seven seconds and then they're back. So what, what happens with women is we get an emotional connection to, to uh, a man is when we're like, um, you know, straying, let's say. So, so women, because they, they feel, um, they, they were more inclined to feel emotions, they're putting that on the man. So they're thinking, well, he's mm-hmm. looking at that woman because he wants to sleep with her. Well, yeah, he wants to sleep with her, but only thinking about it for seven seconds and then he's thinking about something else. Now he's thinking about his burger. So, and then maybe he's going to sleep with, ah, so funny, I talked to this other this guy recently, he goes, you know what, I, f- I want to be a sperm donor with every single woman I see, and I go, you know what, that's okay, <laughs> because that's just how you're built, it's okay, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, so, you know, that's part of it, is how, so women sort of put that on men, like, you're looking at her, you don't love me anymore. Right. And so now the guy's like, Jesus, I can't help looking at her ass, because also men are biologically pro- programmed to look at, I don't know if I, breasts waist and buttocks 
Right. That's where they're biologically programmed, so they, they kind of can't help it. I mean, for God's sake, my dad's 80, he's still looking at women's oh, yeah. derriere. So. Right. So, you know, when we understand that, then, and we give men space to be men, then they can in turn give us space to be women. So, and I think that would relieve a lot of pressure in relationships. Does that resonate with you, Dana? Yeah, I was curious if some women have expressed to you the reason why they get upset when they see... Now, you're saying... Uh, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Women don't know, but I'll tell you exactly what it is. What happens is women are driven towards uh, connection, connectedness, and men are driven toward independence. There's two great books, The Male Brain and the Female Brain by Dr. Luann Brizendine. She talks about this. She's a neuroscientist. So when women sense that their man is leaving or, you know, taking his attention off of her for in whatever way, she literally f- feels, a, you know, in her brain, her brain feels pain because we're driven mm-hmm. to connection. That's, that's our caveman brain. That's not like our 21st century brain. So this is just how we react. So when we sense that our man is leaving sort of or somehow on some level, it's all on the unconscious level, then, we, then that's when we get that feeling. And for men are driven towards independence. So they kind of need to kind of go off in their man cave or go look or do whatever they need to do. So they need the aura of independence, even if it's just seven seconds at a time. Right. And for her, it's she feels a scary emotion for a minute and wants, hopes that he should stop that because Mm -hmm. it scares me. Right. Yeah. And men's like, men are like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what you talking about, woman? <laughs> so what do they, what do you usually kind of uh, counsel women to do in these circumstances? I counsel women, well, what I teach them is how the chemicals work. And when you understand how the chemicals work, and here's the thing. Men are biologically driven to serve and protect. That, that old, the, the, this mm-hmm. thing that's on the side of the police cars, that literally men are driven to serve and protect. That means, I'm talking about the good guys, you know, m- most men. When you have a man who's committed to having a family, he, you're his family. You, he's taking care of you. He's the provider. You are, Marie's nodding her head. She knows, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, men are like that. So they're there. And, and the other thing, too, is when men have made that decision, you can beat the crap out of them, and they'll still stay. And this is what happens to a lot of men. They just get gray and dull and kind of diluted inside. So when women, if women understood that their man who's committed to them, we're assuming commitment here, he's, he's there to, to care for her and her children and her livelihood, then part of him, you know, looking and having these chemical things that he does is has nothing to do with the fact he's still there. He's still going to take care of you. He's still your man, mm-hmm. you know. So, that so you explain the to them the biology yes. of it mm-hmm. and that it's... What you'll be doing is forcing him to be something that he's, he's like, not. kind of not naturally. Right, yeah. And he'll do it because he loves you. And he'll get a little gray, and then well, here's what he'll do. He'll sit on the couch and turn on the remote, and you'll go, why are you being so da-da-da? He's like, well, you beat it out of me, you know? He won't even know why. He's just like, uh, I'm here, but, you know, I'm sick of you, you know? Right, right. Is there, is there a corollary that... Um men do to women like things women do that men try to make them stop well men try and make women act and i'm holding my midair finger quotes (sighs) rational because they want us to be rational and 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 you know we are perfectly rational just not in the way that they think we are we are going to change our mind we want to do you know we're going to have different interests and uh you know beauty is a huge feminine drive so yeah we're going to take some time to to get ready and and we're going to change our mind. And we're going to be emotional. We read emotions. We expect emotions. Um, and, you know, in return. And, and I think, you know, men expect women to act like men. And we're not. 
you know. So I'm seeing I'm seeing a kind of a the duality of it is mm-hmm. women don't like it when men look at other women because it makes them feel a little bit of fear. Mm-hmm. Men don't like it when women change their minds because then he's going to feel a little disappointment or some kind of confusion right which he probably doesn't like yes and also men are driven towards cycles they're driven to complete cycles so when you give a man a cycle like honey i really need you to mow the lawn and he's like yeah 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 yeah, i'll get to it and then you know he doesn't do it for a couple weeks and you go fine i'm gonna hire a gardener well what you kind of did is you just emasculated him because when you give a man a cycle he needs that win it's a competitive thing for him He, he needs to complete the cycle and have the win and when, you know, women, because we can do everything men can do better. Sorry, we just can't. And we can do four other things at the same time. But just because of that, when we, so what's happening is we try and do, uh, you know, take over a man's jobs. So in other words, we give them, we ask them to do something. They say yes. They don't do it right. Then we do it ourselves. And that's emasculating the man. So that's something that happens there, too. That's part How of long it. do you have to wait for your lawn to get mowed? <laughs> Oof, it's a, that's a hard one. You've got to use a lot of duct tape. <laughs> just like pray to God and find something else to do. Yeah, it's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, duct tape is good in that situation. So when men fall off the wagon, so they're they're geared to pr- uh, protect mm-hmm. and provide. Mm-hmm. And but we have so many guys having affairs. I mm-hmm. assume they're having affairs with somebody. Oh, but yeah. anyway, we have so many guys having affairs. Mm-hmm. So what what happens in their psychology that what makes that seven second thing that they're desiring turn into a you know seven year thing <laughs> yeah that's a really good question i mean that's a, has many many answers it could be number one they're just the kind of guy that's gonna cheat right it's they could be going through a midlife crisis and that's what they want to do and it could be that they're not getting what they need at home i that sounds so cliched but um that could be it true and a lot of times are they still serve protecting their family though i mean is their intent still to you know some of them are i mean some men have every intention of sleeping with someone else besides their wife and they're still going to take care of their family i have heard that story over and over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. so you know it really depends on um you know it's certainly not it's the woman's fault if the man's cheating 100 percent. you know it's a two-way street when that happens there's something going on there either uh, you know, we've got two people who are re- actually really incompatible or um, there's something going on in the relationship that hasn't been addressed. And so that door is open somehow, some way, and someone decides to walk through it. I mean, we're, you know, everybody's an adult. Right. So it's, it's a complicated um, answer. But, you know, when you dive into the biology, you kind of understand why these types of things happen. And, you know, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Right. Right. You are tuned into the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are with Teresa Schley Valenzuela. See me? You got it right. I know. <laughs> uh, we only have a couple of minutes. Well, we have about 10 minutes left, but a couple of people asked if they could call in. And you absolutely can in the last few minutes here. If you have something to ask Teresa, you are more than welcome to call in. The number is 949-824-5824-949. UCI, KUCI, give us a call if you want to chat with Teresa or us. <laughs> chat with us too <laughs> and while we're waiting i had a question that okay. i figured would help sum up okay you were saying that women are um kind of taught by the culture to mm-hmm. be more manly mm-hmm. what are some specific things that women kind of make themselves do that maybe naturally they wouldn't want to do that are part of that masculine um Typically masculine characteristics. Okay, well, part of it is what I just described about the completing of cycles. So masculine energy is driven to conquer 
and be competitive. So, you know, women think they need to be that way in the workplace. Now, when I started this school and I started this business, I decided that I was going to operate 100% from my feminine energy. That means I'm going to use feminine values in my business. Mm-hmm. It's a controversial thing to say, but... Um, uh, so one of the things that women do is they, they think that they have to act like men in the office, and, um, and so that, that ends up getting extrapolated out to the rest of their life. So that's one thing. Okay. I'd be interested to hear what feminine business values are. Well, there's a company called Audur Capital, A-U-D-U-R Capital. They're an Icelandic financial company. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure you know that uh, the Icelandic uh, financial structure collapsed recently. Okay, well, this, these were two women. They're financial gals, and, and they didn't like the way uh, their financial world was running in, in their country. And they said, we're going to start our own business, and we're going to do it from feminine values. And they describe feminine values on their website. You can literally go see what their values are. So they structured their whole business around this, and gee, as it turns out, when the country collapsed, they were the only company who lost no money and no clients. Wow. Yes. Damn. I uh, know. <laughs> How are you using, or what uh, kind of values in particular are you employing for your business? What I'm doing is I'm using uh, collaboration and co-cooperation and co-creation. So what that means is I'm starting the school, and it's not just the Teresa show. I always wanted to bring in other people, other experts, and have us all work together as much as possible, be like-minded, and share our gifts and talents. And uh, so much more money can be made that way. When we're, and also, I want the people that I work with to love what they do to come from a place of passion and what that they do. Because when you do that, your whole being is opened up and you're more creative. So we're finding new, better, different ways to make money. There's a lot of money to go around. I'm always talking about multiple streams of abundant wealth. There's enough for everybody. It doesn't just have to say, all the money comes to me and I tell you where it's going to go. And you got to do better and more. No, it's about collaboration. I use a lot of intuition when I make my decisions. Always operate from my intuition. And uh, so that's a couple of examples right there. Okay, so these are kind of like, some of them aren't necessarily only feminine, but it's no. like historically, typically. Yes. Typically, you would, you would consider women more apt to listen to their intuition and men right. more apt to look at numbers and right. like uh, their cognitive side. Right, but actually men have a very strong intuition. This is something that, w- that most people don't realize. Men are very tapped into the quantum field of possibility. In other words, they're tapped into greater consciousness only they their intuition is like they feel it a gut reaction they act feel the gut reaction act or they don't act which is another way to act by not acting Mm -hmm. they don't think about it they don't feel it whatever they don't talk to their girlfriends or their you know their friends about it they're just you know if you say them why'd you do that they'll go i don't know just kind of feel that's what did you know so it's a little bit different so um so yeah and and, you know we're no one can be all feminine and, and or all masculine we're all little parts you know we're all a flowing interchange of masculine and feminine energy so most of the time uh in business we're t- uh, men are looking to conquer and and uh you know grab and gain and that kind of thing so i'm sort of i looked at it from what will bring me the most pleasure what will bring me the most passion how can i collaborate work with other people and i know that the money will come from there yeah. This is sort of off topic, but I'm thinking of, you know, what an enormous role hormones play for Mm -hmm. women and the various hormonal stages they go through with Mm -hmm. menopause and Mm -hmm. childbirth and after childbirth. Um, Tell me if you are a proponent of sort of hormonal intervention. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I I went through it. But here's what I'll say about hormones is I, because I had so many hormone issues, I had to really discover what 
what do they really mean? And what, what I discovered is they're communication issues. They're communication vehicles. So they simply transmit energy from one place to another. And when that gets, uh, you know, disrupted, it can really mess with you. So I'm a big proponent of bioidentical hormones. I tell women if they're having any issues, they've got to get their hormones tested because they could be out of whack at the earliest in their 30s. Now, when you say out of whack, does that mean you have too many or not enough? Well, like I said, it's a symphony. So if you have too much of one, you have too little of the other. It affects, you know, it's such an interconnected web of interplay of hormones. There's just no way to... So they need to be in sync to an extent, Mm -hmm. and that's what you strive for, sync with them. Mm -hmm. And due to genetic or, it could be maybe your lifestyle pump. uh, More than likely, it's your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so if if you can't change your lifestyle, or even if you can, it may not help, you're saying medical intervention. I would uh, definitely get your hormones tested, 100%, right, as soon as possible, yep. We have a call, well, we don't have a caller anymore, but he wanted to know if you had read the book, ISIS Unveiled, and your thoughts about it. No, I haven't read that book, but I lot of, read a lot of other ones. So, <laughs> Actually, if he wants, he can contact me through my uh, Facebook page, Divine Sexy School. And um, uh, you can also uh, sign up for my divinesexyschool.com website, which will be launch- launching very soon. But you can go there now and add your email address. And, and uh, yeah, you can get in touch with me that way, and you can chat. Perfect. Are there books on this subject that you would recommend? Um, the Male Brain and the Female Brain by Dr. Luann Brizendine, and I highly recommend a book called Penelope and the Divine. Excellent. I wrote the book. Basically, everything I teach in the Divine Sexy School is in that book. It's in my novel, and um, it's a good way to start. It's a really fun way to start out with these concepts. So Penelope learns all this stuff from her t- teachers, Inanna and Goba, which I, you, you may that's remember. That's a great, them. yeah. I mean, that's really a great tool to teach through fiction. Mm-hmm. I think there's yeah. not enough of that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That was such a fun book. Yeah. Such a fun book. <laughs> it is a fun book. You can get it on Amazon, on, on uh, the iTunes, iBookstores, on Kindle for 99 cents. It's practically free. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love that's out there. Sadly, we're drawing down our time. Can you believe it? No. Exactly. These hours go so fast. I'm like, where did the time go? When the show starts, we're worried about, will we have enough to talk about? Right. And then suddenly we're like, but wait. Wait. But wait, wait. There's more. There's more. I know. Teresa, thank you so much for thank being you. here. Thank you. It's been so fun. Yeah. Thanks so much. Huge fun. And we, uh, so we know how to find you. Yes. And um, this show will be podcast in a matter of minutes. So if you missed wow. this or any part of the show and would like to uh, check it out, you can go on to KUCI.org slash talk. Click on podcast and uh, give me until about, you know, 610 or something, and it will be, uh, it'll be up there for your listening pleasure. You can uh, hear the, the uh, interview with Teresa in its entirety. We will be back here with you next Friday night. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off, so Dana, you're... Uh on my own. You're all yeah. by yourself. It's fun when she's gone. It's, it's different. <laughs> I know. I, you probably I never, like it. I never play the theme song because I can't find it. You can't find it. I'll teach you. That's how you know it's just me. It all goes right. right into talking. Well, I'll be back here in three weeks. Uh, three weeks from now, we're going to be on with, um, with a uh, marriage and family therapist. Samuel Newman. So that'll be fun. And uh, you've been tuned into the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We'll be back here with you next Friday night. Stay tuned. Andy Vasoyan will be uh, taking you out with with some sounds. So stay with us. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Check it out, we'll run the master balance.
multiple talents I provide the landscape, baby, you provide the challenge I've been broken down and out And look at the sound that I'm drowning out I'm around the town and I'm round about And it's better than a kick in your freaking mouth These words might scare you Make you tremble and double dare you Now we're always learning Always listening and very burning And not checking the resume Two thumbs down is what they say Down, 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 down